This is VC Projects, episode five, A Rose is a Rose is a Rose. And my guest is Shane Gufog, who is an American artist who looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations, both past and present, and views time as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by the spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gufog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become the testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. Thank you, Shane, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. We are in your studio in yes. Strathmore. Yes. And, and it's early in the morning and I'm gulping down coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's about 8.51 in the morning here. Oh, it's not that it's, early then. It's it's beautiful and foggy and cold and crisp, and it's a wonderful early February morning. And right in my immediate view is three wonderful, incredible, magnificent works. And um, they're called A Rose is a Rose is a Rose series. And... Before I get into describing them, um, the first inspiration was back from your CalArts days. Yes. Um, Gertrude Stein. Well, I don't know if it's inspiration as much as a um, seed was planted. And I do remember one of the theory classes, which is basically all they were, there was no painting classes. But uh, Gertrude Stein's. Uh, poem, uh, the phrase, a rose is a rose is a rose came up and we, it was a discussion and the idea that the first rose you know, represented this image of a rose, the rose that we all think of, a red rose, and the second rose is a word that represents the first word that represents mm-hmm. the rose, and the third rose, <clears throat> a rose is a rose is a rose, the third rose becomes an idea uh, an almost an abstracted idea of the thing itself mm-hmm. um, and of the identifier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? the laws of identity is what yeah. I researched and studied. Yeah, so it's how we identify things via our language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that then, and I guess it just kind of bubbled back up about a year, year and a half ago mm-hmm. um, when I was I was up here and. You know, there was a big drought in California a few years back, or I don't know how many, six years, seven years, whatever it was, and <clears throat> it wiped out a lot of our orchard here because mm-hmm. we didn't have any water, so a lot mm-hmm. of the trees died. So um, we had to have a new, our well went dry, and we had to have a new well dug, and then um once we got water going again, and I decided to replant the orchard. So I went and got, uh, two years ago, I got um, 20 olive trees and planted those, and I hooked up a watering system for them, a little drip system. And then the following spring, uh, or a year and a half, well, however long later, a little over a year later, I really went gun ho and started... Um, planting all kinds of different fruit trees and peaches and apricots and uh, plums and um, different citrus, mm-hmm. um, cherries, um, apricots. And they just took off. 
-hmm. you know, the soil was so fertile they took off. And so anyway, as these things were growing and I was going out there all the time to check on them, make sure the waters were working properly, as the, the leaves started budding out and followed by the blossoms, followed by the fruit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was just this like magic mm -hmm. watching this happen. Um, and it got me really looking very closely at the colors of the leaves, mm -hmm. the, the, the flowers, <clears throat> and the flowers then got me thinking again about that. A rose is a rose is a rose. And I was thinking about more of the energy of nature, this mm -hmm. magic of nature. Mm -hmm. So that's where the idea came from. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Gertrude Stein, she... She was at a lecture in Oxford University, and, and she said, you know, when the Romantics used the word rose, they were referencing an actual rose that was red, which right. has inhabited the English poetry for a hundred years. I'm reading um, from Wikipedia. In Stein's case, she was referencing that things are what they are. She wanted to take the word away from the laws of identity by stating the first rose was about the name of the person, the second rose a nod to the flower, and the third rose referenced a concept. Right. So the third rose for me is, is the one I'm focusing on, is the concept uh -huh. of beauty. Because mm -hmm. uh, rose, you know, rose is a beautiful flower, incredibly beautiful, and it's intricate, and it's delicate, and it's fragile. And that got me thinking about also the fragility of life. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> my mother died uh, almost five years ago, and then that sent, uh, uh, quite suddenly, and then that sent my father into a four-year tailspin. Okay. And then he died last March, mm -hmm. um, I think ultimately from a broken heart. Sorry. But, <laughs> yeah. But um, when you lose a loved one, or especially your parents, you begin thinking differently about your own mortality. Mm -hmm. And what is the meaning of you know, I was like, what is the meaning of my life? What's the purpose of my life? Mm -hmm. How much longer do I have on this planet? Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do with that time? Mm -hmm. You know, am I just going to watch Netflix and eat popcorn? <laughs> or <laughs> am I going to travel? Or am I going to read books? Or am I going to make paintings? And if I make paintings, what are the paintings going to be about? Am I going to engage in this art world rhetoric or am I going to do something that matters to me right something that I mean ultimately from what I studied when you really access your own truth and really put that out there into the world mm -hmm. there's a deeper vibration and there is a sense of I don't know I, I don't I wouldn't really know how to explain it but that is the depth of art it's not following <clears throat> trends right no, it's not following trends. And I think that um, art is, when, it's, when an artist is being truthful, really, really truthful, that truth transcends, mm -hmm. right? It transcends the art movements. It transcends the political climate. It transcends the economy. It transcends whatever ideological battles are going on because those those ideologies often change and they shift and they go from Republican to Democrat. They go from Christian to Muslim. They go from, you know, back and forth and back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like a binary 
code of our of our social behavior of sorts. So in the meantime, art becomes this sort of um, roadmap mm-hmm. for the soul, for the heart. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, and I also feel that if an artist is really being honest with themselves mm-hmm. and they're painting what they have a need to see, mm-hmm. a need to experience, that need will then, or that experience will then translate mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. And <clears throat> so many times, you know, you go look at art and some big hot artists at the moment and it's kind of dead on arrival because it's, you see that it's so contrived. Yeah. And, right. you know, there's a handful of studio assistants cranking it out or a hundred studio assistants in some cases and there's just no life there. There's no life force. Yeah, I mean, I think in studying music theory and history, and if we look back to the early cave paintings, art has always been something that has taken on this role of this observer, if you will say, Mm -hmm. this observer of the world. And I always thought, even when I was in art school, you know, there should be some sort of license to be an artist. you have to pass a real test, a real of, test. based on history, um, psycho- moral. It should be a psychological test. It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? You really want to go be an artist? Wow. But, but honestly, <laughs> because, you know, art, you know, look at the jazz movement. Look at, look at the avant-garde. I mean, it all, music and art and history and politics, Picasso, Guernica, it's all, art encapsulates everything. Yes. And the artist <clears throat> is, takes... He takes his microscope, he looks into the world, and he takes his findings and he puts it into his medium. Yes. And presents it. I agree. At at you know, at the World Expo or at the Yeah. You know, wherever. the World Fair, wherever it was in the beginning. And then those, you know, branched out to galleries and yeah. salons and things like that. Well he started off in the churches, you mm-hmm. know, the cathedrals and things. But um so it's always but these had, ideas. Right, I know, but it's always had almost a religious connotation to it, right? Art yeah. has. Um, it's it's speaking to a belief system of our inner self, I think. And and if you look at like in the night now the nineteen eighties, nineties, two thousand, the biggest um, architectural projects that were going on were museums. Mm-hmm. So what does that say about us as humans? You know, we, and, and then if you look at the 12th, 13th, 14th century, the biggest projects were churches. So, you know what I mean? And the yeah. churches were, the, were there to house an ideology. Oh, yeah, the guilds. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so now we have these museums that are being built to house a rose is a rose is a rose. Basically, the third rose, the idea of an idea. Mm-hmm. Right? an idea of an ideology so that we can we can understand ourselves so because we don't understand what came before us we have no idea why we're standing where we're standing Mm -hmm. so these paintings anyway back to these paintings so there's a fragility when you're watching flowers and i by the way i planted a whole slew of roses um a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and i think i've got eight twelve I don't know, 20 some odd rose bushes out there in different places. So I'm very excited to see them Mm -hmm. all bloom. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're going to inspire me. Mm -hmm. But 
when a rose is fresh, it has a sense of purpose that, it, you know, it's, it's, I can't even describe what that purpose is. It's a beautiful moment. I think there's much more than that, though. I mean, I think it's all personal, too. Uh-huh. Um, because for me, the roses represent something different. Right, of course. For a woman. And for me in particular, it was my mother saying to me, yeah, they're beautiful, but look at their thorns. Uh -huh. The thorns protect. There's a reason why they have thorns. Right. They protect the beauty, mm -hmm. you know. And and then there's that whole code of boundaries and mm -hmm. things like that for a woman. If something that's beautiful is fragile, is vulnerable, etc. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, yeah, and, and back to like Gertrude Stein and, and her thing of in the poem, and the first rose was a person, the second rose um, an object, and the third rose a concept, back yeah. to that. So we're sitting here in front of these... Triptych. This triptych, and it's yellow, and it's green, and it's white, and let's describe it to the listener. Okay. Well, it started with the, the middle panel, which is um, I was mixing a Portland gray medium with an olive green <clears throat> because I wanted to capture the the tonality of the leaves mm -hmm. of a of a flower, and because um, it's not a it's not a bright green, mm -hmm. you know, it has kind of a grayish tint to it. And and for the listener, they're not they are realist paintings, but they're abstraction. They're not right. a rose as we as we know it. No, so I started with one canvas and I was thinking it was going to be a single painting and I built up the surface with the greenish gray color <clears throat> and then um, in order to create a, a happenstance moment or a moment of chance uh -huh. I took two brushes and I took a little stick and I screwed the two brushes together and but only hold one as I'm painting so the other one has a chance to move and it may move in a way I'm not expecting. So suddenly one line becomes two lines. And then as I twist my arm or I twist my wrist, then they become one again. Mm -hmm. And I really love that freedom. Um, and so that, as I'm doing that, that happens very, very quickly. <clears throat> and then I started working on the painting day in and day out. And I realized that it was missing something. Mm -hmm. So... I decided, you know what, I think it needs two more panels. Mm. So I built two more stretcher bars and stretched them up, panels, and they're on each side. And then I thought, the white needs color, but I don't want to add color to the white. So the two panels became yellow roses. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the greens are a little deeper, a little richer. Um, and then it sat like that, oh, for probably three months, four months. Mm -hmm. And I kept looking at it and looking at it and still wasn't quite done. Mm -hmm. And the panels weren't communicating with each other because I was thinking about when plants are, um, and I, by this point also I had planted a, uh, a garden. So I had all this fresh, these fresh vegetables going and the way that 
the plants grow next to each other and intertwine with each other or sometimes a tree one tree gets taller than a tree next to it and the tree next to it starts to shift out away from it so it can get its source of light right mm -hmm. so there's an there's an interaction happening in nature constantly so i wanted that in these paintings um, so then i decided to <clears throat> thin down the paint with a glaze medium towards almost like a water substance mm -hmm. and the white the the movements of white in the middle panel i took to the outside panels as if they were floating over the top of them as if the energy from the, the middle one was permeating out you definitely feel that or you feel that for me like the immediate yeah you definitely feel that but you feel that sort of moment when you know you go out in the world whether you just fell in love mm. or you just had you know some kind of intimate relationship or you mm. go out and you and you see you see a flower just open you, yeah. there's that magical moment of energy that we is naked to the human eye but you can feel it mm -hmm. can't necessarily smell it but you know something changed and right. you've, you've you've painted that moment thank you thank you and I, you know there's another part of me that because it's like, well, why would I want to take up the idea of, of painting a rose? Um, but <clears throat> I think that a big part of it was the news cycle. It mm -hmm. was just this inundation of, of information, often bad information or negative information that was, it was making me, it made me feel heavy mm -hmm. yeah, and weighty and I, I thought there's got to be a way to sort of wash this away, you know, cleanse it out of me, cleanse wow. it out of my mind, yeah, out of my being. It's like the world, if something, <clears throat> if all the government shut down tomorrow, these flowers would still grow. And they would still give me promise. Right, right. You know, so that those thoughts were going through my mind and that I had a need to make these paintings because I had a need to cleanse my own psyche and I wanted to do it through beauty through moments of beauty mm -hmm. um, but why the rose why not another flower well because it be, it becomes very symbolic mm -hmm. you know I mean there's nothing per se in these that you would say oh that's a petal of a rose yeah there's nothing that resembles that no it's just the idea. And so it's what Gertrude Stein was doing with her poem. The, the word becomes a signifier mm -hmm. for how I want the viewer to think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Does that all make sense? It does make sense. It does. Anyway, there, um, I think I worked on these for probably seven, eight months. Yeah. Before they were, I felt that they were finished. But I want, I want you to talk about the essence in this painting, particularly the white area, mm -hmm. where there's sort of this corkscrewy um, unwinding. Mm -hmm. And I mean, certainly it's a, 
symphony of color and shape and sound and typical of all your paintings there's definitely a, a, a melody or a chorus or you know there's there's a musical aspect to it yeah and your color composition is just you know right on I, I see the rose garden without even it's kind of like Monet's water lilies like you see it yeah once you know what it's about it's there it's there right. I, I I'll be curious to know in future generations, if they'll have that memory bank, mm. you know, as the world evolves so. in a way, you know, away from nature. Yeah. Um, to this, uh, not to be negative, but it'll <clears throat> be interesting to see. Yeah. <clears throat> God, I read a headline yesterday that, uh, Elon Musk, his company, uh, put a, little chip in a, a chimpanzee's brain and now the chimpanzee can play video games. Oh my gosh. It's like I read that and I thought, oh, oh, is this the beginning of the end? Is this, you know, what does this mean? Why can't we just, why isn't it enough to, again, be in the moment mm -hmm. and open our eyes and mm -hmm. look around us mm -hmm. and see the beauty everywhere? Well. Well, okay, for for all the artists that are listening to this, how can you direct them to that moment? I mean, it's not necessarily you, like observing you in your studio and here at the ranch and in Los Angeles and Hollywood, um, it's not like you sit down and meditate 20 minutes every day. You don't, your rituals are not obvious. You certainly have rituals, but they're not like, typical so mm. so you write um you spend your time in the garden you walk even in hollywood mm -hmm. you, you hike every day um in hollywood hills yeah but so how do you get there how, how do you find that truth um how do you I, reach into that cabinet right i i think it was um it's sort of like self-preservation mm-hmm that you know yourself well enough to know that something needs to change mm -hmm. and such as i need to get up and move now mm -hmm. i need to change my surroundings now mm -hmm. um, because i'm feeling like i'm getting stuck mm -hmm. right and my brain's not working like it should um, or my my creativity is not flowing like it should mm -hmm. like i the way i like it to flow so when that happens, and I just, I change the situation. Yeah, you're not an artist w that works within accidents. No, I guess not. Um, but I think everything is almost like an accident, but maybe it's preordained. Maybe it's destiny. I don't know. And these, and, you know, and it's like, <clears throat> it's almost like you're, you're in a car and things are going by you as you're driving down the highway. Um, you're not quite sure what's going to go whizzing by you if you're on a new road, mm -hmm. but it's already there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just about us reaching that moment. Yeah. So what if and that's getting out of your own way? Yeah. And what if that's you know, and I I think I kind of look at life like that. That there's a it's there's a destiny that's already laid out, and and we still have. Uh, free reign, free will, we can still choose to stop the car mm -hmm. or 
pull off the side of the road and turn around. Um, <clears throat> but then that changes the the desti destiny again, you know. And it's it's like the idea of the you know, multiple universes. There's infinite number of universes theoretically. I don't know. That's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Um, but I just think that in terms of my creative process, um, I really have to be careful about what I sort of expose myself to. Um, my son likes to listen to, you know, some serious rap music that has this drone uh, bass sound to it that makes me feel bad inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just I makes agree. me feel like I'm, I'm going to get going to get ill. Mm. And so I have to remove myself from it. Yeah. Um, now, for him, it makes him happy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me, but then the music I listen to doesn't necessarily make sense to him. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so everything is, you know, what each person is different. But mm -hmm. also going for walks, I, I love to try to catch the sunset because every day it's slightly different. Every day the cloud formations are different. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really beautiful. So you, you, you're very in tune to the subtleties of life, of mm. finding those little details along the way. Yeah, and you know, and I, like I, um, the other day, the wind was blowing and I have these cypress trees and it was really pushing these cypress trees, the trees over, uh, pushing them north. And I was watching them and it was like, it was just a beautiful moment. They were just dancing. Mm -hmm. you know, with the wind mm -hmm. and the wind chimes were banging away in the background and I filmed it on my camera. I put it on Instagram or Facebook or something. Um, and it's my way of saying to people, it's all around you. Mm -hmm. You just have to look. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah. It's all there. You just have to look. Mm -hmm. And I think that with these paintings, maybe it's my way of helping to nudge people to say, stop look listen feel so that 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 is that's what you're saying to your world audience because you know you can look at these paintings and it doesn't matter what culture what language or what religion you are mm -hmm. um it doesn't matter so that's right. kind of your your sentence to the world Yes, I like in that. These, in these paintings. I like that. I wrote down you know, a number of years ago, many, many, I was in my 20s, and it was, um, I wrote myself a little manifesto. Mm -hmm. And it was late at night, and I was in my studio, and I grabbed a piece of paper and a piece of charcoal, and I wrote down that I don't want to be known as a Los Angeles-based artist. I don't want to be known as a California-based artist. I don't want to be known as an American artist. I just want to be known as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I want my work to be as accessible to an American audience as it would to a Chinese audience, as it would <clears throat> to a Russian audience, as it would to a Middle Eastern audience, as it would to a European audience, so on, so on, and so forth. And so I wrote all this down. Mm -hmm. And it was my manifesto mm -hmm. for myself, you know? Yeah. And uh, six years ago, almost about five and a half years ago, when I had my retrospective in Russia, mm -hmm. 
in St. Petersburg, I was the show was hung. I was walking through it to make sure the lighting was okay. And it was a massive show. And it was a massive show. And uh, of seventy-two words. Seventy, plus. yeah, seventy-three pieces. And and it took up, you know, the two rooms combined uh, was the length of a football field, hundred yards. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of you know wall space to cover, <clears throat> and that you know it was a retrospective, but. As I was walking through it, I remembered my manifesto because I'd forgotten it. Uh-huh. And uh, I just, I kind of started laughing. And I thought, wow, see what happens when you set something in motion. Mm-hmm. This is pretty cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, you're right. And, and so I am saying that to the world, mm-hmm. you know. This is a this is my letter to the world mm-hmm. about being being human and being humane and being respectful and staying in the moment and staying open and positive mm-hmm. and allowing the light to move through your life. Mm-hmm. You you started. We're kind of winding down, but I do want to share that you started these in 2019 and of course sadly the pandemic yes came about and you continued and and you've done several paintings in the series this is not the only one um i think you're up to like i don't know maybe 11 or something something like that yeah and so during the lockdown I mean, you've worked on other paintings too. You've worked on still points. You've worked on your superior paintings. Yeah. But you've, this must have taken you even further into your own space. Yeah. You know, these paintings, they, they end up teaching me mm-hmm. how, to, how to behave. Mm. That's so cool. How to think. Uh-huh. You know, how to get out of my own way. Um, to allow moments to just be mm-hmm. without trying to, you know, um, hold on to them. So what do you think when you walk in here and you see them every day? Anything? Um, I, it's nothing I can actually put into words. I Right now I'm working on a, a very large still point painting at six and a half feet by nine feet. And... I walk into the room and I look at it and I, I, I really try to empty myself out mm-hmm. and not have any thoughts. And I look at it in terms of, you know, any of these paintings, <clears throat> if they feel like there is a, a perfect moment mm-hmm. in them mm-hmm. between chaos and order. So it is a distilled moment of silence. Yeah, I can see that in all your works now. Yeah. So that's what I'm always looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's for that balance. And there's always a dance in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're musical. And I can hear them. Mm-hmm. Almost as, as much as I see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it becomes a very... Um, it's a spiritual practice for me. Mm-hmm. Painting. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, some people meditate and some people do yoga and some people, you know, everybody has their thing that they do. But for me, this is my spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank you. 
for sharing a rose is a rose is a rose and uh, for those people um, visit Shane's website www.shanegafog.com um, his Instagram as well it's his name and uh, check it out check out the rose paintings thank you very much thank you you'll be posting things I take it yeah okay good thank you all right bye-bye Thank you.